it's it's like a frog in a pot of boiling water if you heat yeah. it slowly uh, then the realization doesn't happen and that's what happens in when it comes to heat waves because the morning are usually cooler yeah. and uh, slowly the temperature starts to build up the material starts to absorb these heat and then uh, probably around noon or post noon it it becomes very severe when the sun is yeah. at its peak while listening to understanding the future podcast i am the host punit gandhi and this podcast is developed in association with climate center for cities under the national institute of urban affairs and the ministry of housing and urban affairs this is a podcast where we discuss about the future of work in the field of climate change urban development innovation and sustainability with the help of leaders and visionaries working on ground as well as in the top management of public and private sector Our objective is to better understand the future so that we can be prepared and intervene to enable climate actions in the urban areas. Hello everyone. I am Punit Gandhi, the host of the podcast Understanding the Future, and today we have with us Dr. Uma Mahesh Rajeshekar, Head Climate Center for Cities and Chair Urban Resilience Unit at National Institute of Urban Affairs. Dr. Uma Mahesh will help us in understanding the future of urban heat islands. Welcome to the show, Dr. Uma Mahesh. Hi, Pamit. Hello, everyone. It's great to have you over here. So I would like to start our conversation with understanding what do we mean by urban heat islands? so urban heat islands uh, in theory they are a difference in the land surface and air surface temperature in comparison to the rural surrounding so urban area usually comprises of uh, peri urban areas and also surrounding rural areas so the difference in heat um, is basically causing the effect of urban heat island okay and what are the major causes that these things happen in any urban areas usually it the primary cause for a heat island effect is the land use and also the land cover predominantly is dominated by the land cover irrespective of the land use in many cases okay and uh, so uh, and you have done a phd in this field as well so if you can just give a brief about your journey in this field uh, that would be great for the audience so uh, my phd was on mathematically quantifying the extent of heat difference between urban and rural areas using spatio temporal analysis so what i basically did was i took around a uh, 2000 to 3000 images over a uh, varying time scale and uh, try to study how the heat island effect changes uh, with uh, change in seasons change during day and night and also change during different uh, landforms that is usually the land cover post which i also did work get got an opportunity to modeling some of the heat islands in indian cities and also try to work around the, mitigating and adaptation effects usually in the residential uh, buildings you know how people can achieve thermal comfort uh, with differential heat and how people can also use certain materials 
over the surface to basically reduce uh, the impact of urban heat island effect. One of the major thing uh, which is very important to notice the difference in the heat uh, impact of across various services and also outside the city and also within the city is quite large. So when uh, when the Med Department reports that uh, today's temperature is uh, say 30 degrees, usually it's not 30 degrees fan city. It is 30 degrees at the Med station. What it actually means is some areas may uh, be experiencing 35 to 36 degrees and some areas may experience around 25 to 26 degrees. So this depends upon uh, the larger effect. Okay. And what are, then why do we have just one or two, like this is just in continuation to this, uh, one or two stations in the city, like even one uh, Bombay as the largest, one of the very big cities also has maybe two to three med stations. Uh, why do not we have more med stations to take better readings? Uh, there are multiple issues associated with it. Uh, the med department is taking readings for their global models and also pan India regional models. So for them, that's where they have installed these stations and uh, are also maintaining and operating them. Usually you'll find stations installed in airports where it's very critical uh, for the flight takeoff and landing and things like that. But it is also established in certain places where they can uh, maintain and monitor it at a continuous period of time over, over a day, uh, over a week, over a month and so on and so forth. So that mandate is limited. But when it comes to urban area, of course, it's important to have more number of stations. And that's where the, there needs to be a larger partnership. We can't expect the med department alone installing all these stations because the variation in urban area is quite high. Within a hundred uh, square meters, you will find varying degree of temperature. You know, if you're on an asphalt road or if you're on a bitumen road, it's a different temperature, right? And if you're on a footpath, which is covered by tree, it's a different temperature. So we need more, you know, stations. We need more sensors across it. But the bigger question is whether it needs to be maintained by the med department because the cost of operating it is quite high, not caught cost of purchasing it okay so operation because is it uh, it is not automatic that it gets generally high uh, just out of curiosity or is it uh, maintaining the sensors yes of course nowadays you have a lot of automated weather stations available but met department follows a certain guidelines you know they have to keep it in a, a 100 square feet or 200 square feet open space it has to be fenced so that it is not disturbed by people and uh, it has to follow certain regulation guidelines in terms of height, in terms of things which they have standardized it across the country. But in urban setting, getting a space, um, uh, getting such, uh, such you know, area in the middle of the city is very difficult. Right? So there needs to be a different set of guidelines which have to be brought in to in involve you know people who are recording temperatures and rainfall in their balcony or in their house yeah. or uh, in their uh, community so the yeah. guidelines needs to be relaxed and there needs to be a different set of process to compiling verifying and also collating these information yeah and that i as much as i know there is a good amount of uh, open weather maps uh, that works on it at least in usa or europe 
but in india i am not sure if we have that many amount of stations to do that kind of uh, close monitoring in each area would you comment on it uh, somewhere right i do agree the awareness in terms of you know installing these stations on the benefit which individuals get is still not at uh, capitalized to its full extent in india but that said there are a lot of private players who are already into this but they are more in the rural areas especially for the farmers in terms of providing them uh, weather predictions providing them certain inputs in terms of when to sow when to use water and so on so forth so much is being done at a rural setting but uh, very little is currently being done at an urban setting okay okay uh, so coming back to the topic of your phd and urban heat island uh, what what were some of the interesting things that you found out with the uh, landforms and seasonal variations and even thermal comfort inside homes how can we manage it better right um, so one of the critical thing which came up uh, i think two things uh, which may be interesting to the audience one in an urban surface when uh, we especially in us because my case study was us that okay. they have something called downtown which is the commercial business district uh, yeah. and usually they are comprised of high rise buildings so yeah. due to latent sh- uh, shading and the buildings uh, actually create a shading effect on the pavements and on the roads so if you look at the cbd which uh, we thought that will have a high temperature because of uh, you know the concrete buildings and things like that um, it didn't happen that way the temperature difference was not that high actually it has uh, in the cbd districts in us the temperature yeah. actually comes down it, it actually cools down the second okay. thing which we also observed is uh, especially in cities which are surrounded by farmlands you know yeah. or agricultural lands so uh, when these agricultural lands are fallow i, I mean when they are not uh, irrigated or during certain months they are kept fallow they are not yeah. uh, there is no sowing or farming happening around you know usually post monsoon and uh, during winter months and so on so forth during those times what we have realized is the bare soil actually radiates more heat because of which there is a negative heat island effect which uh, takes place so the rural areas becomes much more hotter than the urban area because of large fields of uh, tracts of land you know start radi- absorbing heat during the day and they start radiating heat during the evening uh, periods so that's also one of the key things which came out uh, that we are we are not only talking about heat islands we are also talking about heat sinks yeah okay and then coming to one thing that i feel is lot talked about is the kind of region that our buildings are in and accordingly the thermal comfort has to be defined in the building and accordingly buildings have to be designed do we have something specific region wise diversification in india or is it still adopted from what is used uh, across the world see if you look at our built forms yeah. over centuries i think in india people started using certain construction techniques and materials based on what is available in the local area yeah. and also the the design of many of these uh, buildings older buildings did take into consideration the temperature effect 
and usually you see a lot when you enter any old building you just see that the air circulation is quite good and you also see the spaces the ceiling heights are quite good and uh, even the space for movement is quite good these things actually bring down the temperature to a larger degree but in the modern day because of the availability of space and also the change in the material type most people are shifting towards concrete uh, you know either they are going for frame structure and very few people are actually because when you do a brick and mortar you can't go beyond four or five stories it doesn't make sense so people usually tend to go towards concrete which absorbs a lot of heat which also radiates a lot of heat and uh, the sizes have come down the ceiling heights have come down air circulation is not much thought about people want these big windows of course they don't keep the windows open they keep it closed so there is the heat which comes in but not the wind so these are some of the issues with the recent demand for housing at least in the urban setting okay and uh, what what kind of problems does this cause in the city what all kind of challenges does this bring in the city uh, if this is not managed right now see one of the biggest thing is if you take 2019 more than 70% of india's population was exposed to high temperature you know what they call it as heat wave according to our imd they define heat wave as two things one if the temperature goes beyond 40 um goes about uh, 40 degrees centigrade and also the difference year to year difference in mean temperature if it goes above 5 degrees then they also call that as a heat wave pretty much 70% of the population across india was exposed to heat waves and many of them the impacts vary uh, depending upon the vulnerability of the people who were exposed to it. Uh, aged people were more affected people with certain issues related to dehydration and things like that were quite high but lot of people also die out of heat wave unfortunately in india uh, heat wave is considered as a disaster only by one state the state of odisha but other states do not consider heat wave as a disaster therefore uh, the recording if somebody succumbs to you know heat wave they usually record it as a natural death or uh, they attributed to age you know, somebody he was the person was old therefore they died naturally and they don't relate it to the heat exposure that has to change over time you know states even though some of the states are not that much impacted by the heat wave they should still consider urban areas and have certain specific protocols to start recording it once we start recording the kind of impact which people are facing then yeah. uh, i think the case of doing certain mitigation and adaptation activities will also take place yeah and uh, this high vulnerability risk for especially people who are exposed to that kind of job because reading one of the mckinsey reports and they had mentioned that uh, around 50% of 50% of our workforce which produces gdp is the labor force which technically works in this kind of uh, areas where they will be exposed to heat waves and that is a very big hazard uh, do we have certain guidelines on those lines to at least that okay if we are our temperature is heading above 40 degrees or 45 degrees in that city the construction needs to stop or something 
like I said, in Odisha, they do follow that. During summer okay. months, I think most of the job people who are working outside, uh, yeah. they are asked to uh, stop work during peak heat period, which is usually yeah. between 2 to 5 or 3 to 5 uh, p.m. Yeah. So they are asked to stop work and they then resume the work uh, in the evening, uh, post yeah. 5.30. People are also asked not to go out. Now, there are certain cities which uh, that they are providing warnings to people, alerts to people that please avoid going outside between noon to probably 3 to 4 p.m. You know? So those kinds of yeah. advisories are being sent to people. But all said and done, it is until unless there is a larger realization of the impacts, uh, people take it easy. It's it's like a frog in a pot of boiling water. If you heat yeah. it slowly, uh, then the realization doesn't happen, and that's what happens in when it comes to heat waves, because the morning are usually cooler, yeah. and uh, slowly the temperature starts to build up. The material starts to absorb these heat, and then uh, probably around noon or post noon it it becomes very severe when the sun is yeah. at its peak yeah and uh, so there is something that again is being called uh, out a lot right now is uh, the humidity factor in this heat waves and mm-hmm. how uh, can you give us a brief about that that how does it affect and what happens with the humidity coming into picture right so there is something called heat index uh, heat okay. index is a combination of temperature and relative humidity. So probably heat index is indicates the comfort factor which human beings feel uh, for a certain temperature and humidity. So temperature alone is not usually the killer. It is the temperature combined with the relative humidity. Actually, the kind of impact it has on people is quite severe. So, for example, if the temperature is 30 degrees and uh, if the relative humidity is quite high, eight, yeah. um, above 80 or so, then probably the feels-like factor will be more than 30 degrees. It will be around 35 degrees or 36 degrees. So, that's what you feel like for a, even though the temperature is uh, low. And uh, mostly the heat index is not used for giving heat wave warning, uh, even though it is being considered and it's been brought into play, especially coastal cities or uh, cities where the humidity is quite high do have a, a larger, uh, you know, they need to be worried about it a bit more and start taking actions around it. Okay. Uh, because generally in coastal cities, the winds would be blowing more often than not, either inland or outland. And my assumption would be that that would take away heat with it. Doesn't it happen like that? So, uh, wind has a role to play. It not only wind has a positive and also negative role to play. Okay. So, the positive role is what you are mentioning that uh, during the evenings there is a cooler breeze which comes yeah. from the uh, sea to the land, and uh, that basically reduces the extent of heat wave or uh, urban heat island effect. But during the daytime, say for example, during two or three o'clock when the temperature is already quite high and there is also latent heat which starts getting emitted by these uh, surfaces, especially concrete surfaces or car roads or bitumen roads. And then there is a wind. Then it starts carrying that heat around areas where there is no radiant heat also. Say for example, if there is a park and uh, it's close to open area, it starts radiating huge amount of heat. 
so even if you are in a in the park under a shaded uh, tree you still get to feel the hot air blowing towards you uh, yeah. and that's that's because of this um, factor you know the heat gets carried from one part to another part through wind okay that's quite interesting so coming to the point where how do we mitigate these kind of things in urban areas how do we make sure that we can reduce the amount of urban heat in every city possible so one of the there are two things one can do the primary factor or the mitigating factor which one can cope and people are also doing is planting more trees and planting more green creating more green areas uh, within the city in india even though the tcpo has regulated that uh, any city uh, all cities should have a minimum of 12% of uh, green areas but unfortunately many of the cities don't have 12% it's usually less than 12% some of the cities don't even have 5% of green area within wow so strategically planting trees is going to be very critical uh, ra- rather than randomly planting trees also selecting the type of trees is going to play a key role and also maintaining those trees you know many a times there are these uh, you know tree planting uh, campaigns which yeah. where people want plant 1 lakh or 2 lakh saplings but uh, by the time you come after 2 or 3 years only 5000 or 6000 of those saplings survive to become a plant or have a possibility of going growing into a tree Yeah. so that needs to be addressed you know rather than having a campaign as a one day affair we should have a campaign which is continuous where things are monitored things are scoped and people are also informed what is the difference in the uh, heat or the heat island effect it is creating that is the one aspect which all citizens can be a uh, part of the second thing is also using how do we intervene with respect to built forms what you call it as anthropogenic heat uh, where uh, we have changed the land cover quite a bit at least in the urban areas so in the buildings can we have plants and uh, rooftop gardens that is one thing or even if they don't want to have a rooftop garden they should have the roof certain cool roof technologies are available where okay. you uh, there are paints there are ways in which uh, you limit the amount of heat which gets which falls into the surface basically you create reflective surfaces to basically prevent the excess heat getting into the building yeah also there is ens which is eco nivas smriti which has been introduced by the government these are cool roofing and uh, passive ventilation technologies which could be adopted in most of the residential buildings this is to reduce the extent of indoor temperature you know yeah. uh, and also to create certain kind of thermal comfort for people okay that those are quite interesting and uh, coming to the point of strategically planting trees can we map where the heat island is arising from and how is it arising and accordingly plant trees uh, is it possible to do that yes uh, it's very very much possible to do that uh right now we have quite a bit of satellite data going back to your initial question you know we don't have that many number of ground based sensors but uh, there are certain satellites which uh, have an overpass pretty much across most major cities in india on a daily basis 
uh, even if not on a daily basis, there are good high resolution imageries, uh, thermal imageries, which can be captured once a month. You know, okay. just making use of that satellite data, you get the differential heat across the city at a very fine resolution. Once you get that, then you can compare it uh, with the, you know, few monitoring stations or weather stations we have within the city. Uh, okay. This is the layout, how each area is, uh, at least the land surface temperature is, it gets radiated or uh, emitted can be used to strategically plant trees across the city. We can identify areas which are more hot and uh, push our interventions within those areas or target interventions within those areas. Okay. So uh, there is there is a lot of uh, so coming to satellite and ground data and how uh, does it interact. There is a lot of buzz around low cost sensors now across different verticals. Is it possible to do the same to get more ground data so that we can facilitate that with satellites? Yes, if you are just monitoring temperatures uh, across the city, I think uh, the sensors are. Very, very cheap. You can get it uh, less than 1,000 or 2,000 rupees and you can have it installed and you can monitor the temperature at a regular basis. Most of the cars right now, they also have temperature sensors. They measure what is the temperature outside and they also measure what is the temperature inside. So that is another huge data set, uh, but nobody talks about that. Most of the cars which are coming in nowadays, the new ones which are getting launched, they have... Uh, huge amount of sensors they also collect information so we need to crowdsource this we can easily crowdsource this information we can easily okay. use low cost sensors we can easily use the available infrastructure and mechanism which are there to um, you know create a, a much more robust picture of the city and uh, that can be used in tandem with the satellite data and uh, can be used for taking strategic decisions okay and uh, there is a requirement of both, I'm assuming, because the amount of wider area that satellite can cover, ground-based sensors cannot cover. And the kind of resolution ground-based sensors would give, satellite would not give. Am I correct to assume that? So the, the difference is satellite gives you the outside temperature or the surface temperature. Um, the sensors can also give you indoor temperature, you know, and inside a building, inside a your house, inside a room, inside a certain space. And they can also do an outside, they can also provide outside temperature when you take it and move around and you start calculating the location. Okay. It's a point data uh, when it comes to these sensors. Uh, when it comes to satellites, it's a surface data. So apart from it, I think both are uh, for, can be used for uh, different purposes. Okay, okay. Uh, so, what are some of the current challenges in mapping this kind of ecosystem with uh, satellites or ground-based data that we face in this uh, time and day? So, there are two uh, major challenges. One is the technical know-how is still uh, limited to few professionals who do work in this particular domain of spatial temporal analysis. So, we need more tools so that larger participation is possible. And uh, the second biggest challenge is the awareness, which I keep talking about, you know, because our heat wave and uh, heat impact is limited to three months or four months in a year. 
so whenever there is uh, when the summers start uh, people do discuss about heat waves and heat impacts and urban heat islands and uh, as we move towards winter right like right now uh, people are talking about cold waves and uh, you know yeah. how do you heat up your buildings and uh, how do you stay warm and safe so the debate changes yeah. quite a bit so it becomes very difficult to have a sustained interventions and initiative spanning across the year so that is something which needs to be thought about and uh, something on these lines andabad was also brought in something called it uh, heat action plan could you give us a, some brief about that that how does the city try to facilitate this whole process so this was done by group of institutions of course under the direction of amdabad municipal corporation okay. and gujarat being a semi arid zone and amdabad being one of the cities where uh, heat impact is uh, also affecting your life and also your lifestyle and also yeah. in the way economy functions and people moving around the city when a heat wave is taking place and so on and so forth Yeah. so the heat action plan is very necessary it is also amdavad came up with this idea of working with some of the research institutions in coming up with a broad level strategy okay. you know what is the heat difference how much people are getting affected and when are people getting affected at what temperature warnings and alerts should be rolled out and whom it should be rolled out and what are the simple measures which can be done across the city to prevent the impact on yeah. life and life so they had the strategy included where to set up you know uh, points where people can get water you know generally water is not available for free but they had these stalls identified areas where these stalls can be put up by community you know by community led organizations by ngos they also came up with an idea of how do you communicate uh, the alerts and warnings to the people because sometimes when i say 30 degrees to somebody it doesn't bring in the same impact as i'm going to say that you know heat combined with relative humidity is going to you know make your life difficult for a period of 3 to 4 hours so how do you communicate that was something which they discussed within the heat action plan and also they identified certain areas for tree plantations and things like that okay coming to the point of climate smart cities assessment framework how is this topic being dealt over there so the climate smart city assessment framework has five thematic areas now and 28 indicators one of the thematic area is urban planning green cover and biodiversity within that one of the indicator is about looking at urban heat island mapping uh, also looking in terms of the green spaces also looking in terms of how much of the native tree species is um, being uh, promoted and is being it exists within the city so that it helps in mitigating the heat so these are some things which are being captured right now it is being captured for 139 cities so we will know the status how many cities have started looking in terms of the heat action plan how many cities have started mapping you know basically if you need to bring an action plan you need information to guide you it can't be a random aspect of during summers i will inform uh, people i'll provide alerts it doesn't work that way so uh, we we are looking at five stages of development that is do have they started thinking about it and we are also looking in capturing whether they have started forming committees and expert groups because to guide the municipal corporation in doing such analysis 
the third stage is are they doing the analysis and is the analysis made available to the people at large and using that analysis the four stages are they starting implementing some mitigation and adaptation measures and if so what is the impact of those measures so these are the five stages which we are looking at and uh, trying to guide cities identifying the challenge or is it uh, more in terms of implementing uh, actions to mitigate those challenges okay that's that's quite interesting and then coming to the part that uh, once they start adapting to it and start mitigating it uh, are there currently any companies or startups working on particular this sector and how are they trying to manage it if they are there are a lot of startups which are working in this particular area varies drastically one of the things which some of the startups are doing is at least uh, in terms of you know green cover how do you increase the green cover how do you measure or map the green cover how do you uh, do certain things during heat waves you know what is the nearest emergency uh, place and how are affected by it how uh, things can be done like i said it is very limited to 3 months in a year so if at all a startup needs to be successful they need to have a business plan which spans across a year you know yeah. uh, or activities spans across a year so many of the things are add on or uh, where they are taking into consideration the heat but uh, i have not come across a startup which says that i will develop heat action plan across the country no that's okay. that's it it to come okay i hope they do come because i feel as the urban population increases and the urban areas increases that would be quite important for everyone for socio economic reasons as well uh, so uh, coming to one of the last questions uh, that we generally have is on lines of skill sets and heat island effect is urban heat island effect is very important topic where do you see more focus should be to develop expertise in this field so that more and more people can you know approach this field or if there are existing fields which can also leverage their input or output from urban uh, into urban heat island effect what will those fields be so the first and foremost thing is how do we demystify this topic uh, yeah. because heat is something which is felt realized and uh, by almost all human being you know yeah. um, so it's a much more easier thing when you look at it uh, if you talk about something like a covid which people can't touch feel and see and uh, i think the aspect of heat is something which is <laughs> one can touch feel and also in some cases see uh, yeah. it's more easier that way but of course it is a technical topic and how do we demystify it something which people should invest their time and energy on and rather than concentrating on different kinds of mathematical functions and principles which do exist what is more needed across the people are simple tools where they provide data and it gives them certain things what to do what not to do if i say uh, for example i am exposed to 40 degrees temperature for 2 hours and i am sitting in an ac for uh, you know at a 24 degree centigrade for 3 hours we should have certain inputs coming to us uh, indicating what should i do you know whether i should go wash my face whether i should go to a shaded locality whether i should sit down drink more water these are the things which needs to be informed to people 
and right now that doesn't exist because our classification scale our exposure scale uh, all our scientific understanding in this field is still very low with more scientific understanding of uh, evidence based inputs are going to guide uh, and also help people in terms of what they need to do when there is a heat wave so once people start understanding what they need to do when there is a heat wave i think uh, then the aspect of adaptation can be achieved easily when it comes to mitigation i think ens is something which was launched by uh, the government uh, with the support of technical institutions ekonimas samita is something which should be adopted for all buildings you know or at least all new buildings which are coming up that is going to reduce our you know usage of air conditioners because air conditioners also generate heat it just doesn't generate heat in your uh, space where you have the air cooler or air conditioner but the outside unit it actually heats up and it keeps uh, using electricity and it keeps running and that also generates a lot of heat Yeah. so how can we avoid these kinds of latent heat uh, or how we can minimize these kinds of latent heat how we can minimize the emission of course one of the biggest aspect of climate change uh, or climate variability and change which people are, are talking about is the greenhouse effect you know yeah. with more emissions i think the greenhouse effect is going to actually capture the heat and not let it go out that is also creating a huge uh, impact globally so yeah. i think both the things should be tackled together i think the aspect of emissions to reduce our consumption and yeah. also reduce the various devices and surfaces which tend to radiate absorb and radiate heat if we start changing the materials if we start using different kinds of um, approaches uh, to satisfy some of our infrastructure built infrastructure i think uh, both the things together adaptation and mitigation will lead to a better livable city uh, across the country okay that's that's great and do you have some of the ideas like i i do feel that in this aspect then uh, technologies like drone can also be quite useful and any other such technologies do you see which might uh, add to the points to map it or mitigate such kind of uh, urban heat islands i think there are a lot of technologies which are available uh, we we are like i said there is no dearth of tools and technologies it is just how we use it how we combine them together you know one of the biggest challenges how do we get data which is being collected by various people by various uh, these sensors into one single place which can be accessed by both researcher and also by common people to take informed action that is the biggest challenge you know getting all the data to one place is is a bigger challenge but data is available like i said every car is capturing that information it is just that it's not made available <laughs> to people yeah. uh, there are very many sensors which are privately operated owned and operated but that data once again is not made available there are a lot of drone operators people companies which have come up uh, but they collect Uh, drone data for a certain area and um, that data once again is not made public or it's not uh, it doesn't go beyond the intended use i think those are the things which we should be uh, working towards how do you create a system how do you create a central repository how do you create 
a mechanism in which uh, people who are providing data are incentivized? How do you create a mechanism in which uh, people can easily look at the data and not get overwhelmed uh, by the complexity of it? How do we even go about uh, creating surfaces? Because there are a lot of point data. How do you create a macro picture from these all these point data? How do you validate this information? These are the areas which require attention. Uh, but of course, with the technology, I'm, I'm quite positive that, um, you know, there are more number of sensors available. There are more number of instrumentations which are available. The size and the cost of the sensors have come down. The portability of the sensors have become uh, much easier. So uh, I think we, we have one good thing on one side, uh, but uh, the bad thing is how do we get the data? How do we use the, all that data uh, for collective benefit? Thank you so much. Thank uh, this was quite informative. Any last comments you would have, which I may have missed on this topic that you would like to share? No, I see that India, uh, there are three things which needs to happen. One at a policy level, that there is a certain kind of push which is happening and climate smart city assessment framework is one such uh, tool. ENS is another such tool. All these things are coming up uh, to address the problem of heat. Heat action plan should be made mandatory across all cities, but uh, it's very difficult to make it mandatory. But at least a guidance and principles, uh, guiding principles, and uh, the importance of it is something which needs to be brought uh, to a larger awareness uh, to both the research community and also to the administrative uh, departments to make it you know functional. The third thing is. How do, until unless we start recording the deaths uh, which occur due to heat wave, if we don't do that, if hospitals don't report, both private public hospital, uh, hospitals don't report on that, I think we, we won't know where we are going. We, don't, we, won't, we will not know whether it is creating a drastic change. Therefore, they should also start doing that. And of course, tree plantation drives and uh, maintaining the trees, maintaining the green areas, in urban space is going to benefit all of uh, the citizens. So that is something which needs to be strategically implemented. Okay. With that, I'll stop, Punit. And uh, thank you. Thank, thank you for having me, and uh, and it was wonderful uh, discussing around the urban heat island uh, with you. And hopefully, the audience did get some information and enjoyed the talk. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ruma Mahesh. This surely was a very enriching talk to have and I did gain a lot of it and I hope our audience has also gained a lot of it from this topic. Thank you for your time. You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, visit us at www.c-q.niua.org and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. The show is conceptualized, hosted and produced by Punit Gandhi. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thank you and stay tuned for the next episode.